0: Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective, presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, today we're going to be reviewing the first edition A World of Darkness. Uh, Before we get started, though, um, just uh, some things to go over real quick. There was a an idea submission on our Facebook page about like doing a QA type of thing, you know, reading people's emails. Right. I think it's a really good idea. if you want to submit questions, you have stuff you want us to answer for you, whatever, you know, the nature of it is, send it to our Facebook. I just started a Twitter today at twenty-five two five years of VTM. One word. And you can check that out on our Facebook page. It's posted there. Um or, you know, leave comments on iTunes, leave comments on our website, UtilityMuffinLabs.com.
1: Uh, I was going to do just one simple question. Uh, we had, uh, we're, we're preferring at this point, unless you specifically state in the question you asked, it's okay to use my name. We're just going to keep it in general format. One question was interesting from the Sabat when we previously did. Someone asked, um, hey, Bob Nate, or Nate Bob, is it, uh, depending on how you, hey, Utility Muffin Labs, we'll just put it that way. Um, <laughs> would you guys think it's possible... If there was a vampire who was both prince and archbishop of a given city. And to that end, I would I would say, just to go off the cuff here with that, off the top of my head, when I when I heard that, I said that's a profound question. I think it's very possible. I think you could do this. I think we'll get to this later on, but pay particular attention to DC regarding that very fact. But other than DC. I think you and your home chronicle have to determine the theme, mood, and type of players you have to see how well you can pull this off. Because I will give a caveat. Nothing is more dangerous in that question and setting that up, uh, a Prince Archbishop, than having not mature troop. And And I mean this not that they're not old enough. I mean this in the fact that your players just learned how to appropriately respond to presence, how Dominate works, and there is an appropriate way to do it. If you think it's just up, like, for instance, dread gaze. it's a hiss, the eyes glow. There's a wave of emotion. It should terrify and intimidate someone who gets hit by these things. That's what's important, not the die roll. Or if you're LARPing, not the chop. It's role-playing that terror, boom, out of nowhere. And if your troop already does this, and they already treat that with the levity, or with the, me, not levity, with the uh, serious tone that it needs to have, then sure, you can pull that concept off. The overall danger, I would say, if one player finds out, all players will know. It's a given. that That's the type of goose egg that's too juicy. You know, someone's going to sit at Denny's or, well, for us, back in the day, it was Denny's or a coffee shop right. or at a Starbucks or, or wherever. Tim
0: Hortons or I don't know.
1: <laughs> wherever you're at in part of the world, wine, <laughs> right. depending internationally, I don't know it's, uh, where you might be at, or camping, getting drunk. I hear that's pretty good. So, uh, But the point is, once they find that out, you need to make sure that that character is so fleshed out and that the city is so well done that they're not going, well, it's a little cheesy. It's got to be done to the extent of if your player's subbot, they're outraged. How dare you be a camera latude? Like they should want to kill this guy. But then there's all those other extremes, right? If you set it up correctly, how do they go after the number one spot? Isn't it kind of bad to note that your priest is actually the devil? You're the only one to know that, right? You're the only one to know that. And the moment he finds out that, you know, that, how do you think that's a small world for you? I mean, that could be a very, very good plot if done correctly. What do you
0: think, Nate? Uh, I would, I would say the same thing. I mean, you have to really understand the differences between those two positions and what that means to a city. It's going to be very difficult for an entire city to reside on both sides of the fence playing, playing to a scheme. So most likely it's going to be a situation of you have a few very key people in positions of power that are hiding their true motivations. You have a, an archbishop who is secretly been guaranteed the position of prince once the Camarilla takes over or vice versa. You have a prince who is secretly leading to the downfall of his own city for the Sabat. It's rare that you're going to have your entire city they're they're towing both lines, right? Uh, it's just uh, with with how the Sabbat functions, combined with how the Camarilla deals with the Sabbat, you're not going to have one position of uh, one person that is in a position of power that is openly holding both of those positions.
1: That person, also, I would say, if you're going to do a campaign like that, well, I would say what I would do, I would make sure that person is a prince based on power. More likely than not, I'd make him a Diablerist. I think a good thing to that would be a a redeemed chilled. Case in point, let's say it's a Camarilla. Oh, we'll go with Tordor because they're usually a shit on clan, I've noticed from White Wolf's perspective and through a lot of people's eyes because they're so typical. They're so cookie cutter. What if a Tordor has a prince sire and they rebelled in one era, like the Victorian era? They rebelled and said, screw you, I'm becoming an anarch, t- trended right to the Sabbat. And then the Sabbat believes in the dogma, believes in the hype takes this to his sire who he feels she was always cutting edge. She'd be happier free of this masquerade or whatever. And when she, when he goes back to her sire, he realizes she's in torpor, but reads her journal. And in her journal, she's just constantly talking about God and letting go and everybody. She's loved is dust and they're gone. And then something poetic moves him to make a decision. And that decision is he decides to end her, but he can't be without her. You know, something that could be truly a gothic-themed love story, where in his own mind at this point, being one with her means, reclaiming her blood. Now, I think it'd be amazing. I, for me, I'd have that NPC de that woman in that moment. Enjoy the rapture of it, rolling around in her memories, to realize, in her own memories, fantasizing about the very fact of what it would be to be devoured. What it, but the union of being one with someone. And what that would mean. And to know that you were put on the right path by this person, but then to discover in the memory that, you know, when it's all said and done, she profoundly missed you, you know, and couldn't wait to see you again in a different era to see what became of you. That tragedy can break a person's ideals. And to realize that she was a prince of her own domain and you just ruined it. Well, you now have to play the part. I mean, you're there in her dreams and ideals. The tragedy here would be having to move without her. And then every action and person you encountered is just a flashback memory of her in that position absent you. My right. God, the romance of it. But at the same time, you're, you're sabat. You came and took this city over, and you now have to walk around with a big stick, clipping everybody who would ever get close to you. The level of paranoia. In other words, this person's a doomed soul. Right. Pretty yeah. words aside, it's a doomed soul. And you could run that very beautifully.
0: Absolutely. I think it's your responsibility as a storyteller, if you're listening to this from the perspective of a storyteller, to demand more of yourself as far as telling a tale is concerned, and thus giving more to your players. The more that you give as a storyteller, the more your players are going to want to give back to that story. Easily. They're going to be enraptured by that tale, and they're going to want to... They're, they're going to want to be an important factor to that and I feel as a storyteller and as a player if you're in a trope uh, that d- or a group of gamers if you're with your gaming group and your gaming group doesn't have that I don't even want to call it dedication but just that level of interest in what's going on and that desire to be there it, maybe it's time to reassess who you're playing with you know find people that are are more interested more willing to be interactive. Not to, you know, rain on anybody's parade, but really, you should You should take this to the logical conclusion. Every game should be better. Every time you play, it should be a, a great time. It should be an entertaining and engaging moment that people are going to remember.
1: And for the person who thought of this question, if you're going to run a plot like that, I just want you to know, and please take this to heart, do not get frustrated at your player's frustration. You're going to have growing pains. They're not going to be prepared for those type of twists and turns. But it's your job to walk them through it. It's also your job to have a thick skin and, you know, no to say no, stick to your guns, but at the same time, be open-minded to the possibility of them attaching their story and blossoming their character through that as well. That's something to do. It's all about fun, but fun is structured, right? Fun is created. It is never just spontaneously there in the terms of storytelling. And
0: I think that, uh, this question is really good because of the book that we're going to review later. And we'll get to that in a few moments. The reason why I mention that is because the book that we're going to review, it's a little 50-50. It's <laughs> it's, it's a little ridiculous. I got one more that I want to read, and then if you want, we'll go ahead and we'll move on. This actually came to uh, the email for the website, UtilityMuffinLabs at gmail.com, and this is from a fan named Cecil, or Cecil, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Uh, he says... I have to say that your Vampire podcast and Nerdwords podcast are amazing. Thank you. I started playing Vampire Tabletop in 94 and continued in LARP on the national level till it lost its fun due to people. And we've all been there. All of us. I think every one of us that's ever played LARP (laughs) definitely gets that. But on your two podcasts, you make me miss how great this game was. And again, I'm going to stop right here. Thank you very much. That's really ridiculously nice of you to say, and it makes this worthwhile. Keep it up. I love your guys' take on the subjects. If you ever want a voice from Nowhere USA, and he says where, but I, I won't repeat it. <laughs> right. uh, I'd love to give you a take on it from the Bible Belt and the hell that LARP players had to go through. And again, we all know that hell. I'm sure it may have been worse there, uh, but it wasn't always great here. Good luck, guys. Keep the entertainment coming from a huge fan. And like stuff like that, Like we do this because we have a passion for this game. We've always had a passion for this game.
1: You said question.
0: Huh. Oh no! I I was just reading. Oh, okay, I was just reading okay. a comment. Yeah, I was just reading. I was I was listening intently for a question. I no, thought I missed it. There was definitely no question. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a little free form today, so yeah, it's just a cool comment, and it really makes me appreciate that we do this. Yeah, I appreciate for that. sure. It makes me appreciate that people actually care to listen to what we have to say, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. So we're
1: terrible at accepting compliments, so please keep throwing it at us because that keeps us out of our comfort zone.
0: Yeah. And and it, it keeps us going, not that we would stop. But
1: that may sound weird, but we you know, we know we know coffee responses to it, but the more we're out of our comfort zone, the more creative we both are and the more we want to fuel and do this. Right. So I'm not saying throw them howlily. What I'm saying is we're we're we everyone as that's an adult is used to taking criticism than they are a pat on the back or a compliment. Yeah. And when you get those, you want to pursue them correctly. So this is our format and thank you, Cecil. Cecil. Cecil Cecil, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the Bible Belt. I know your challenges. Uh, like I, uh, you may not know this story. My first encounter of vampire was with my fraternity from Arkansas Tech University in Little Rock, Arkansas, when we went to a national uh, visit and uh, to renew our charter, and we decided to stop at a, at a Denny's. It was about ten thirty at night, and there were a group of goth kids just in the back, looking all creepy and scary you know, with their black makeup <laughs> and their chains and their what have you. And we're all in there like, we're, we're college kids, you know, and we're looking over there and I'm, I'm on the football team. Another guy's like a black belt. We had a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. That was in our fraternity chapter named Travis. And he just always talked with a thick accent and he's goddamn it, Bob, you going to fight. I'm going to fight what's going on over here. And so we were put closest to the room. And I kept seeing this green book being referenced, right? With this weird rose in the cover. Those of you listening that are fans of this game already know what that is. This is the the Bible, right? We This is the Vampire the Masquerade book. You know, this it's the revised one that you get the rose right. on the cover. But that's, that's the one they were using. And they kept referring to one person as Prince. And this kid sold Prince. He sat at his own table at the head of the table. This hot-ass woman to his right was there with him but the was not his girlfriend. I think she was single and just wanted his attention. But these people, you would think you were at a castle dinner <laughs> is what it was like. Cause people would get up and bring the iced tea to him. They would ask permission of a guy to go ask him permission to approach the table. They did this whole thing, but you're in a Denny's family restaurant in little rock, Arkansas. Everyone who's looking in that room. were looking to beat the fuck out of these people for wearing crosses, some upside down, you know expressing themselves and it, it was just a game
0: right just a different culture
1: so when i got up and went over and sat down near this guy i was like hey i own that book it's about vampires right it's it's a game about vampires so like i run the tabletop and he literally put his hand on his right shoulder left hand on his right shoulder goes bro totally totally i'm the prince this time i'm also the storyteller so i'm just looking after these guys are running scenes you know we do this hey you in the little rock area and he kind of broke it down and i was like fucking awesome and I went and told my fraternity brothers about it. We went to that Little Rock game for a solid year. Wow. Just showed up to just turn out to it. But that's how I got involved yeah. in the, ta- by the way, it was still tabletop. Right. They weren't LARPing. It was tabletop rules, but they were getting used to the troop play, the diceless right. role playing. That's what they called it. It was diceless role playing. But I understand the challenges because everybody thinks automatically we were the Satanists. Right. The, what got them out of the hole was that I wouldn't dress up ever. I'm a big dude. I played football in right. college, no less. Right. I'm not wearing eyeliner right and chain nothing and leather <laughs> no, nothing no <laughs> not because i not because i could rock it and i choose not to it's because you know i ain't gonna wear shit i know i don't look good in right it just doesn't fit me but my mindset my heart and my passion were in this hobby i found yeah. with them so i mean it took off from there and you would be amazed at how people relaxed seeing some of their own mixed amongst right well what what
0: would would be like quote unquote considered a normal person exactly yeah and and i get it too i mean the you know i I, I didn't really have any bible belt experiences but i had a lot of bible experiences if you understand the difference (laughs) you know larping for me i
1: gotta set this up and i mean i do want to hear that but you gotta know i've never seen was it 20 plus years doing this Mm -hmm. i've nate's the only guy i know that would get a line of people I remember an entire church group yeah. taking a Sunday right after church to come to where Nate was role playing in a park that people knew about yeah I, you know I end. don't
0: I don't know that people were there specifically to engage me but when yeah. I was younger I was much more verbally aggressive especially about things that you know I didn't agree with or you know things that I thought at the time were very silly ideas and I I don't personally think anybody's religious beliefs are silly whatever works for you to get you through your day. I'm totally fine with not taking a religious stand here, but dealing with the interaction with people that were of sort of an extreme religious belief on the opposite end of what visually I appeared like. And it, you know, I was not, I, I didn't hide who I was and I didn't hide what I believed. And because of that confrontational mentality, People wanted to step up to have those conversations.
1: Did you not collect a box of, you know, yes. you're
0: going to hell? Little I, pamphlets. I do that- have a large collection of chick publications. I do have a large collection of Bibles from a variety of different religious beliefs. Uh, so, yes, uh, in my in my late teens and early 20s, you know, I, I was the typical visual ideal of what a vampire player was. I dressed in black. I had crazy haircuts. I wore a lot of spikes and, you know, that that was really what draw me drew me to this game. And once I got into the game and learned about it and learned about the stories that were being told, that's what kept me. You know, as culture changes and people come and they go from this game, but the game itself stays with you. And I think that that's a large part of the reason why we saw this resurgence of the classic world of darkness because it's a game that really touched people. It touched people in, in at a very young age and it grew and changed with them.
1: It taught you that, you know, don't judge a book by its cover is nice and it's a saying and you know, you do it <laughs> in school whenever it's the polite thing to do. It's another thing when it's, you know, everybody gets to put, you know, it felt, it felt like when we were kids, it was an escape to a different world to be who who you're not. Right. And to grow into who you may be. But once you were there and you were an adult and had a job and responsibilities, it became a place where you can fucking hang up all those responsibilities. Right. And and then escape still. It was still there. That game is still that. The problem began, and this is another, another time perhaps. Yeah. The downfall of it is when people forgot that point and made it all about, hey, this new rule book came out. Now everybody can afford it. Right. I'm playing awesome because I now have the years of cred to do it right. and screw everybody else's good time. Give me my game guy who doesn't get paid to do yeah. it. And, and
0: of course you get, you get the, the sort of interaction where a player is motivated by accumulating a degree of power that maybe they don't have in their normal life. And, you know, role-playing games attract all kinds of people and a large part of popularity you get people that eh, maybe aren't the best representation of, of what you're looking for in in an audience. But you take the good with the bad. But I will tell you these two nuggets
1: of wisdom. Number one, after struggling with this very problem, from going from a 106-plus person game down to a 40 and clipping it to just my close friends who enjoy it, I learned one thing. I did it because I didn't understand that as a storyteller, I had forgotten the passions of being a storyteller, the most important one, you were there to paint a world for everybody. So that person who feels need to be powerful, if they built their character right, and you help them with that process too, you help them with everything about it. There's an agreement between the two of you where they have that power and it balances with the story you're trying to tell. There's a balance, right? This person who is looking for this power has to have a relationship with the storyteller established. And in a lot of LARPs, you did not get this. Because there were too many people, or there was too much going on, or that person just really didn't care. They just wanted the power of being a storyteller. So I guess that's number one. Make sure your storyteller is passionate about telling a story, not about being the guy in charge. Number two, and that's, that's LARP or tabletop. Number two, once that's established, he builds a relationship with every player at the table. Because if you do that, that storyteller then knows the right entertainment and angle to go at, theme, mood, setting, for that player in question. No player is ever turned down. You should never turn a player down that is a friend of yours. If you're turning people down, that's because that's not your friend. And you have to realize that. Because you would make, just like if your friend was hungry, you would make them a place at your table. Half portions, whatever you gotta do to have them there, that's how I see role-playing. Now, before I get on that tangent, nugget number one, let me just simplify this because I can go forever. Be passionate. And be passionate, setting the example for your players. And that way they don't get burnt out and you're not burnt out. Number two, any player you feel is getting out of control, that people are telling you about they're getting out of control, that's because you're not in control. As a storyteller, you cannot give up control. You can't do it. I hate to say it. It is true. You're quote unquote God. But you're a God who answers to a board. And that board is your player troop. So if the troop, if the board is coming to you to tell you, hey, no offense, this dude's got to go, it's up to you to talk to that dude, be the mediator between those groups. What's going on, and you can fix it if you give a shit. But if you find yourself getting, oh, I'm jaded, I'm bored, this is too much trouble, and whatever, you weren't really looking to tell a story. You were looking just to be in control, and it's okay to do that. But be a player. And somebody's right. game whose passion as a storyteller, right?
0: No, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you on any of that. I, I would say that as an adult looking back in retrospect, there are a great deal of skills that I've learned in my life in working, you know, the professional life that would have helped me immensely as a twenty-two-year-old <laughs> storyteller or a twenty-five-year-old storyteller. And it's just age brings maturity, hopefully typically right? and you know remember what you're doing it is a job and it's a job you're not going to get paid for and it's a thankless job but the, the the joy of it is that for four or five hours a month or four or five hours a week you are providing entertainment to people that have have seen you worthy to give it to them
1: as i've loved as i love saying it you're the man behind the curtain yes it's a lot of work but goddamn, do you provide Oz? Right. You know what I mean? You provide the Emerald City.
0: Right. And there there are so few people who are willing to put forth the effort to be storytellers. If you've decided to be that, pat yourself on the back. Even if you're a bad one, you've taken the step towards getting to be a great one because you're actually doing it. And that's, that's the key thing. And that's any game you want to run or if you want to write a book or... Any other creative venue you're actually doing it you're taking the time to work on this creative uh this creative outlet so anyways, let's not waste any more time. Let's review a book oh right we
1: I want to start this by telling everybody shock and awe, I never read this book until we did this review.
0: no, I never even saw this book
1: now, under one roof, we both can agree we've seen this book separated in their own specialized revised books that we'll get to right but this is the first rendition of it
0: yeah i i had heard of a world of darkness we have the i believe second edition one which is a solid black book with yep. uh like a red hued cover like a red hued design on it I, and i think it has some form of globe on it this one is a little bit different this is one i was like what is this book i have never even heard of this book and this book is a little bit, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a revelation because there are characters in this book that I had never seen stats for. I didn't know stats for them existed.
1: And the uh, weird thing is we saw the names, right? Like we've used these names as household. Like I remember seeming, seeming like the literal, it, especially in this area, I was the God of vampire LARP lore. Cause I'd walk in mentioning names and dropping bombs thinking everybody had read them and people were like, where'd you get them? oh, this novel, this book, they mention them here, mention them there. Come to find out, looking at this book, it tied a lot of that together. So there was a joy, for me anyway, going through this going,
0: it's fucking awesome we
1: were on the mark, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like we didn't miss it, it's pretty right.
0: good. But I think it also tells a tale of how word of mouth this game is. Yeah, for sure. For, for two people that have played this game for as long as they've played it and have read as many books as we've read, individually and collectively not to toot horns but something we do this is a hobby oh yeah and we've tried to be as consistent to the source material as possible
1: we've Uh, read we've read so much this material that i'm willing to say at least for myself so it doesn't put you on the news um i'm damn good at this game and that's not arrogance it's tried and true practice it we have them i mean not even to be graphic every time i take a constitutional (laughs) <laughs> I'm referencing a book from the library, you know what I
0: mean? Right. And if you we think have a about it, the number that, of libraries in the apartment. It's, there's there's
1: there's tons, you know. You're bored, you get it. You go to the doctor's office, you know, you're gonna have a visit, you right. bring a book. I mean, they're there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But never read this book. Seen these characters, seen them in prints, uh in other places, perhaps reference only, but without stats. But based on the word of mouth of this game, based on the telling and retelling of these tales, we've been able to accurately depict characters we've never seen in print before. Sure. Yep. And I think that that's pretty amazing.
1: I had fascinating at the very least. And I will say this, I'm so confident that the shock of this book being in existence and not having read it, I'm only in place to bet with you right now, immortalized. If we could find another book through the world of darkness, vampire side, I have not, own, I don't own, or I haven't read. Both of those categories have to be met. Mm-hmm. We find another shocker. I will sing "I'm a Little Teapot" in the voice of Kermit the Frog <laughs> on a podcast for everyone to enjoy. I promise, still I will, confident. I
0: will take you up on that bet. I think that this is only the beginning. I think when we go through ninety plus Vampire the Masquerade, let me ask you for articulation purposes, just to you know, for for my edification is that just vampire books or is that white wolf books minus like the obscure games we oh, do vampire play? books because okay.
1: vampire is my passion what i cared about and my favorite
0: yeah, i was gonna say because otherwise that's a huge bet that you're taking
1: i have a lot of werewolf but like vampire is number one easily yeah. easily
0: okay yeah i'll take you up on that bet Sweet. and what if what if you win what do i have to do um
1: <laughs> you have to go outside in your underwear with a mic and you have to sing in an Asian accent the same song.
0: <laughs> why do I have to go outside? In you asked "What do I win?"
1: <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't know why, but I figured that was good. Well, no one's going to know that. That seems
0: <laughs> that a little hard. That. Like, can I can I just go out in like shorts? <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I like the whole idea because I I figured you would add like the grease on the belly I, maybe I, you throw I, a little rice i think you're getting to a little, make it a, steak. a, little, a little, deep, little too much a little deeper. a little too there. much yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay yeah you you singing okay. i'm a
0: little teapot in a kermit the frog voice you left it up to me i i just i i left it up to you to bring something to the table
1: i was just saying i was just saying i mean like any up i get it i get it I get yeah it. Well, something well,
0: equivalent how about yes, that we'll 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 talk later <laughs> about that so anyways the start of this book to, to give you a breakdown on what this book is It's essentially a variety of different locations in the world of darkness that are either not touched upon in their own individual books up until now. That's all of them. Um, Or don't require as deep a detail up until now uh, to to warrant their own book. It's a Cedar book. Yeah, caveat. Most of these places are going to be touched on in full books or bigger books that go into a whole lot more detail. Also, this is a first edition book. Most of the information in here is going to be incorrect because it's going to be redacted. It's going to be updated. It's going to be never touched upon again.
1: We were there, and I quote, when we heard Justin Achilles say, this is the book, by the way, I remember the comment on. He said, two books you throw out. One was the Malkavian first edition book. Yep, The first edition clambusted right out the window. It's yep. cracked pots, embarrassing. Was made. This is the other one. Yeah, I only remember this is the other one because it's the one that had Aleister Crowley in it.
0: Yep. Yeah, it, it's uh, There are some good features of this book. Quite few. There are some really good characters. Some really good story concepts. There is also a lot of what we call, with a sort of loving, uh, address. As wonk. As just wonk. I don't know what you guys call it out there in your home games or what you call it in your Wonk, New Larps. Cheese. Right. Uh what else would you call it? Flubbery. It's just it's just stuff that crack. It right. It's just stuff that doesn't make any sense. It's way over the top.
1: Nobin. Captain and Nobin Knezer.
0: <laughs> Bonks. Right. It's just uh like bullshit uh silliness um way overpowered characters um things that really don't make any logical sense things that are written really poorly uh and and by poorly we don't mean like they were a bad writer we just mean that like there's way too many coincidental things it's way too off the hook to really be in any worthwhile game it really shouldn't be in anybody's game we call it wonk it's wonky it's completely wonky yeah so the book starts in uh london
1: right off the bat it goes right to europe now well the first thing it does about europe i mean it's still europe they go through the actual history yeah what i want you to do is save the trouble because they already had their historical experts go through it a lot of it's historically accurate it doesn't even include you know kindred history into it Until the latter half of it, the first part just letting you know that they could not do better than what man has already done. Right, right. Reality was amazing for this.
0: But it's it's a good thing about the world of darkness is that the world of darkness, by and large, it's just a darker reflection of our world. So there's not a lot of differences as far as history is concerned.
1: And one of the cooler things that it's the way they write it. They put it in a a level where you can get the fact that they're about to seed this with with tons of story ideas and content because they're trying to get your mind going on England, what England is. What Europe is, excuse me, because not England's not all of Europe, but what's going on in Europe. The wars, the Tudors, the Renaissance, the Victorian age, what all these places are, what all these eras are, and how they culminate. And they give them to you just to read for that. I will let you know, that saves you a ton of research. Case in point, I ran in, a, in an Italy LARP, that, or LARP, excuse me, an Italy uh, tabletop that Nate was a part of. And I, I, I had what, like a OneNote that was open that had a whole entire page on tr- modern transportation, and famous places in the in the city, right. Vatican City and what it was, the historical reference, where, why the Pope stays there, all these references. This book sums all that up Yeah, for the kindred half that I had to create on my own. It did already. Yeah. And it did it in moments. Like, yeah. I read like two
0: pages and was caught up. And that's, that's the real reason why books like this are a great resource because anybody that knows that's ran a game in a location that's not within the parameters of White Wolves' uh, library, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> Before you know it, you're like going to get a degree in history of the area one thing leads to another and you got to go over here and you got to check 10 wikipedia sites and- i could tell you a thing or two about the etruscan empire let me put it that way yeah it, it can definitely you, where you're like yeah i need about a week to prepare oh well i just spent a week basically doing a thesis on <laughs> on the the who first settled chicago and you know it's just like okay we we need to move on books like this sum it up wrap it up, give you the important details, and keep you focused as a as a player or a storyteller. Easy. So that that's a major benefit of this.
1: And the f- reason why they put it first is because it sets up for all the material they're about to give you. Because when they mention the history of... I, all of you have had this, even as players. You've had another co-player go, my name is so-and-so, but I live on the Danube. Do you know where that is? And usually you're like, I don't give a fuck. Because you're role-playing. <laughs> right. And you're like, who cares? It's not even that... Really, that person is letting that settle in because a lot of important historical shit happened over there, and they're from that area, and they're immortal. They might have lived through it, or know somebody who did, and you got a piece of history sitting right in front of you, and there's 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 the chance, right? You know, role playing get into it because that's going to help you immerse in, this, in the character, but that's also the the statistical nightmare for the storyteller. Oh shit, I know what's important about that player from the Danube. This dude's from Toronto, though, and doesn't give it. He's not going to know. <laughs> right. um, but is there something in his history that could trigger for him that would be really cool right. about this guy? A name I can give, something, a bone to throw out to help this gel together. And spinning plates. It's always an important th- uh, tool for uh, storytellers to know how to do is spin plates. Keep the interest alive. This book, 50%, I can tell you, will take the load. Because you have quick reference, and it's all good. And more importantly, there are characters history-wise. Stat-wise, I will never side stat-wise with how this stuff is in here. <laughs> History-wise,
0: I'm all about it. Right. I'm all about it. Right. For for the most part. Um, we get to see what White Wolf in 1992 thought were appropriate characters st- stat-wise for the time. What the Prince of London stat wise look like when you when you get that actually i want you to now
1: everybody put this in your head it's a company competing with dungeons and dragons where every dragon and it's the biggest thing to fight right (laughs) there's a dragon every dragon in every level of its life from a on up has stats Has stats has stats has stats it kind of makes sense when you look at it that way why they put stats to these people
0: and and like anything else this is a, a, a youthful time in the game, and things like power level well, we're, were definitely not going to be ironed out this early in the game. It it takes, but, these are these are what, what I would like to call growing pains.
1: But you remember being on Gen Con staff several times with me, and you remember being there and they're like, oh yeah, but those those are great NPCs, guys. Where are the stats are, though, so we can look them up? And you and me both being like, excuse me? Right. Who did... What the hell do you need stats for? Right. What does that matter?
0: Like, wh- why? Because, right. I mean, like, your players well, are the stars. And, what- and, and, and think of it like this. If, you, if you're a storyteller, and it's time for you to sit down and role play Mithras, if you have to roll dice, if you have to throw a chop, if you have to play rock, paper, scissors, you've done something wrong. Yes. You've done something wrong in the portrayal. You will have a player that will charge to attack you. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. You
1: tell someone not to do something. Someone in that group's gonna do it. Let him have the fight. Tell the story, make it epic. make it great. Make it seem like Mithras is losing. But it's Mithras at some point. the bullshit stops. He stops pretending, and he proves why he's a warlord and that's that and that player has no room to bitch. However, if you have this book, you can show him the stats. <laughs> <laughs> to let him know why the whole fucking room right, and 12 right. cities had no hope in hell of taking his dude right.
0: out. You, you, can, you can show them why Mithras was like, I'm going to go to Torpor because n- nobody was stepping. Nobody was stepping up.
1: Pound for pound. I can't even think of one character that they've made except for out of that Mexico book, which by the way, I don't know what we're going to say when we get to the chaos factor. Mm-hmm. Cause if this book we're calling wonk, that chaos factor's off the chain,
0: yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's that's this this is this is wonk a this is the beginning <laughs> of silly this is there's there's enough good stuff in here to counter some of the silliness, uh but there's still a lot of silliness you know we'll we'll talk about like Francois valon that's a character whose stats I didn't need to see I never needed to see that. the
1: iconic prince of France right. Uh, the The commander-in-chief one could say inventor of the courts of love in europe the man is a master when it comes to alicia worldwide and he's known for that in the camarilla with those monikers with that esteem you do not need to know who embraced them you don't you don't no, we even do know we're right which is uh and she he got around better. it was better not to know yeah
0: i i, I want to just say i think in like 1991 and 1992 and 1993 if there was a powerhouse Torador, you can just guess who embraced them
1: guess and you got one shot in all of history right to name who this person was right and we'll give you a 50 percent tip it was female Mm-hmm. torridor histo- historical female who would be an epic Torador if made
0: whose stats are actually in a book and we'll get to that in a couple books, right?
1: Right. Because <laughs> again, I think I think we've beat
0: this this right, point to death. Right. We're looking resurrect the it and hit it with a truck. I we think, found out who Oz was, and needless to say, it's just a little little silly. Just it's it's just a little silly.
1: You never want to lift up God's skirt and figure out if he's a male or female. No, you know what I mean? No, you don't. And when you do, you're never right.
0: But we get to see a, a wide variety. We get to see uh, a, a, a Tremere that looks like Tom Savini. <laughs> Uh, Sex machine <laughs> <laughs> uh we get to see uh Lady Anne Bowsley who will again be updated in a later uh, book she will so be,
1: let's let's talk a little bit about it let's give a little more a little more meat than that let's uh so let, well the characters were kind of on early give a little backdrop of London
0: right well, as it
1: is right now we're there we're at London
0: right? London has been controlled by Mithras and the cult of Mithras for what a thousand years. Like, since the Romans came to to London? Yeah, before that. Right. Conquest. Mithras Mithras goes way back. Mithras is old school. Mithras is, like, the cult of Mithras, the bull god. Um, Mithrasorium,
1: I forget how you pronounce the cult name, but it's an actual real cult. Right. In real life, in the world of darkness, Mithras is the reason that cult exists. And they're they're warriors. They're a warrior-based cult. They treat combat as a holy rite to that of mithras who is the warlord right. said mithras
0: in the dark ages when he was prince of london was ancient that's how old he is mithras is like the baddest ass mofo in the Venture clan really in print really at least at this time um definitely at this time
1: in in any time
0: right and and when you're that old the object or the concept of ruling really kind of becomes a little (laughs) ridiculous. So you have a lot of people that sort of rule in your stead because you're trying really hard not to go to sleep and, you know, suffering from NUI and you've been up for 2000 years and, you know, you don't know where all this wacky Christ stuff came from, but now it's all the rage and uh, you have people (laughs) that, that basically work in your stead. We're talking 1235 BC. Right, right. BC. Right. So in the Dark Ages, he was ancient. So that's what you're working with when you talk about princes in Europe. So in his stead, because uh, at this time in the story, Mithras has gone to sleep. Mithras has entered Torpor. And in his stead, we have Lady Anne Bowsley, who uh, later becomes known as Queen Anne. She essentially rules in his stead. Well, real
1: quick, why these two personalities
0: matter. Got to remember, the
1: history of the area is what the mortals have made of it, right? And they are feeding on it because a vampire never is the reason. And era... mortals don't settle around a vampire. A vampire settles around the food. That's how it works. Mithras comes here because it's the seat of an empire. We know that story, right? So if you follow your history, you know your history. Yes, this is this is what it's becoming. And there's still conquests involved there's still a king and queen they still got stuff going on and mithras decides this is the place and he's he makes it his thing now the chameer did too that's the important part the chameer are here going wait a second there's magical power here ley lines you know nothing about them the cult references this is ours this is ours this is ours and mithras is not being a venture that they're used to mithras is saying warlock. <laughs> <laughs> you want a what magician fine I'll see you in the battlefield at noon if you prefer it why warlord you know what I mean <laughs> like right. there's no right how, how do you deal with that and they're all like well uh we don't um we were planning on no um we're gonna curse you we're gonna curse you, we're gonna curse you and he's like I have a cult that will counter it. <laughs> don't I wizards and somewhere there's a cult sacrificing bulls and children to make sure it is you see what i mean like right. the depth this this dude predates your clan he yeah. can't yeah he can't think as you do right so and but now he's Venture, and some have tried to come along and tell him we've built these organizations where you can't the masquerade's important you can't go around fine subordinates is this true well yes my lord uh, this has to be that way <laughs> pardon me then make it so Yes god of gods king of kings we will make this so right. and then the Tremir. does he not understand that we're a new clan and we're trying to get by and we know magic magic bro right it's, and, and he don't
0: care right he don't care because he he was an elder when when christ was born he he, he remembers <laughs> magic when it rained right. from the sky as blood <laughs> right he's he literally was there his historical
1: reference of him was mithras first memories he has left of his time was he was a soldier quelling a rebellion that's all he remembers that's how he started and he's still quelling rebellions right like he's a vampire anachronistic he's venture he's stuck in it and that's all he keeps doing because everybody the nails keep popping up and he's the hammer to keep putting them back in place and the Tremere don't get that
0: right he's not a banker he's not your typical idea of a venture. He can't
1: be manipulated. (laughs) You
0: can't, you can't manipulate one does not manipulate a force of nature, right?
1: You kind of just go around it and hope it fucking stops soon. And however, we need to throw this counterpoint. The Tremere in this city are no slouch. Like they decided to make a Tremere who I think you and I, yeah, D is his name. Mm -hmm. We were like, what the fuck is this guy afraid of?
0: Right? No, absolutely. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's his, his number one, um, Rival. His number one rival, John D, also known as Doctor or Master. And he's not Mithras. For sure he's not Mithras. Right. But at this degree, who cares if he's Mithras? There there's like there's a point where you just you look at a character and you go, Okay, well, there's what can mess with him? What what could possibly bring clouds to his day? Right. Nothing. nothing. So it's the unstoppable force meets the immovable mountain
1: and the immovable mountains immovable because he's super paranoid the unstoppable force is going to find where he is right (laughs) is what and and it's weird but that's how it is they wrote him to where these guys really don't want to conflict
0: one really wants to conflict but the other one wants no part of that but at the same time that is the structure of elders in this game exactly that we're going to just be tied up in this ancient uh never-ending jihad Right. this is what uh, you're talking yeah, about yeah absolutely
1: i don't know if i'm ever saying that word right i believe i am it's n u i e e-n-n-u-y i'm calling it n-u-y look it up if i'm wrong too bad so <laughs> the, <laughs> so the aspect of the elder n u i here on an- is that what it is i think so is it on we? then we'll call it on an- an- we. An- we i like n u i. so uh, will <laughs> <laughs> so the concept of this is that the elder is just in a muck of every day is the same right and when you're mithras or john d everything you could ever want is always available, available to you at all given times. You can't help it. If you're someone of, if you're a vampire powerful enough, when you talk to a mortal, they quiver at your every whim and they want to know you and they gravitate towards you. They don't have a choice and you're not even using a power. That's just who you are and how it is. So how could you possibly not get bored? How is that possible? There's nothing to shock you, surprise you. You never know loss. You're never striving toward anything. You don't have to. If you wake up one day and decide you want an electric power card because they sounded cool, someone
0: gives you 10 of them because they heard you wanted them. What you're going to do is you're going to either end up completely becoming introverted into yourself, into these passion projects, into these things that just distract you, whether it's raising a, a mortal family to... Uh, to wealth or dashing one to (laughs) despair or just constantly talking to your underlings and making sure every aspect of your night is completely safe from you're gonna you separate from reality how could you not after 2,000 years after more than 2,000 years how could you not after 500 years
1: i enjoyed the thought of it there's a forget which novel it's in there's an elder white wolf (laughs) created that uh or excuse me one of the authors white wolf hired to write about them and and it's um, a venture. Mm-hmm. and what happens is that during rome's wars that are going on he's a senator and he's in the back he's in the backdrop of it not pow- not too powerful not too weak but he's made a cat's paw promise of embrace as rome's collapsing he gets embraced and the first thing he does is he takes all his wealth and melts it <laughs> churns it up into coins so he could take it with him and he um, makes sure that they're putting these in in, in, in no, no importance, boxes, whatever, hauls them all out, takes all his wealth. To take all his wealth away, he had to give up three of his homes. That's how long he's been immortal in this town, by ghoul blood. Right. Three homes he had. That's huge in Roman aspects. So he just gives them to looters, lets them come in and loot and take that, tells looters at the door, I have two Praetorian guard delivering these goods. They'll kill you if you try to get these small boxes. Everything else is yours. People thought unfathomable wealth were in these boxes. They weren't. One was a doll his son made before he went off to the Roman legions to die and he couldn't be there to stop him. That was an awesome story, in my opinion, for that. The other one was his wife's uh, heirloom she had. it was. I never really got the description. I guess there's a Roman-style crop, writing crop they had. His wife had one. Um, she was a, she was a Tr- Etruscan descent and it's been in her family and it was always a talking piece. He had that. However, the third one had the actual seal of the emperor in it. The actual seal, mm-hmm. the the uses for wax seals and all that right. had that in there. Don't know how he got it. Don't know why, but he had it. And that was the most important one. He played a shell game. Let all the looters take all the wealth. They came and brought this to him. Every freaking one of those he sat and put on a table in his room. And he goes in the torpor, and how he does it is he stares at a dot in the ceiling and he decides in his own mind when that dot is so water damaged in this stone basement that he made crack opens up that moonlight starts coming through. Then it'll be time for him to retake the world. Huh. And, and that's where he sits. And they like end the chapter there and sure as shit. when that book gets catches up to modern, he's in it. Why it's important. Mithras is that guy. Right, he's that type of guy, right? That Absolutely. would do this and would have, you know, you know what I mean. He's that old, right? D is too. Now, when we mention in London's backdrop, why we stress those two points so much is because we read this book, and you go through the history, and you get to the part where they talk about everybody's views. They don't tell you automatically what the venture and the Tremere are doing, because they do them alphabetically. Yeah, and we all know V and T are down the list. So <laughs> right. seriously, that's how right. they did it. <laughs> Everybody else, though, it's kind of confusing because they're like, the Bruja are all getting screwed over and whatever, and you don't really know mm-hmm. how. And that's because the Bruja have rebelled. They've been cat's paws to the Ventrue and uh, the Tremere so many times that they don't even remember why. The Bruja are right. just pissed, and that that's that. And so in regions of London and around Britain and proper, they're, they're getting angry and they're rousing people to anger. And whenever there's a riot that the mortals are going through, the Bruja are helping them and all these causes and whatever. They get to Malkavians the same way. Now the Malkavians really, really got the short end of the stick. They're talking about that as a clan. One of them is a spy. That's the Malkavians' lot in life. And they tell you a Malkavian in London's short lifespan. You can be allowed. You can be embraced as a Malkavian that night, used and abused, set up and bloodhunted same night. <laughs> no problem because the French who can't trust you because you're giving information to the Tremere. The Tremere can't trust you because you're insane and they know it. Right. And more importantly, you're insane because the Ventrue gave you information. You're trying to drive the Tremere insane. So they're paranoid to listen to you and they're paranoid to even have you around. Both are just paranoid of you and you're caught in the churn. Add this to the mix that the Bruja are around somewhere and the Bruja's only hope is to be a bully boy squad for the half of the Ventrue, unless they're being Anarchs working on the side of of the Tremere to cause a headache for the Princeton. Right terrible situations to be in and they go through every clan like that every other clan seems small potatoes to it with the rare exception you look look at the giovanni and and they're awesome the giovanni in the in europe at this point they're just sort of like well yeah there's those guys um they're over there
0: i don't know they got one
1: place that they stick to and it's sicily like
0: i feel like at this point in the history of the giovanni as far as like the actual chronological history I feel like White Wolf really weren't quite sure what they were going to do with the Giovanni. Until you see that picture they have right by them. Right. Like, I feel like the, they, the, they knew there were, there were embers there. They knew. I think they knew. I think what happened is, is that because they call it the mausoleum. Do you think that maybe they were just waiting for that unveiling, that surprise? They had to have. They had to wait for the book to get done.
1: I feel that... When you talk about the Giovanni, they set them up perfectly. We know about the Giovanni. When you see this and you read it, you're like, oh man, brilliant. Right. Everybody knows the Giovanni are insular and they only really care about what they want. What's, what's to do with them? Cause they're not really concerned outside of mortals. What's going on in the world. That's that lives. Death is what they're focused on. So everybody here at this point is like clan wise and the camera have that in. Give a fuck. Right. Giovanni are like, yes, don't. We're perfectly fine later on in books you'll learn man were they stupid (laughs) man were they stupid because they have this creepy photo photo excuse me there was creepy drawing in here where it shows a man and a woman they look very similar in appearance but clearly it's like a husband and a wife and they're just the brooding off this wife or she just pissed off at something or a verge of frenzy and the husband has these dead eyes
0: yeah he's like yes i'm here definitely look like uh like a, a family of, uh, very close relatives.
1: <laughs> very close. Uh, before we move out of, uh, London though, cause I know we spent a lot of time here. Here's a character they got right. I was telling Nate about this. She actually went to, it was a pleasure to read about her because her history was just on par. The color of the Morrigan, or, on, uh, you got ein or black Anis, or gentle Annie. And that's there. Um, Why I'm trying to do the accents is because I know it's not black anus. <laughs> A-N-N-I-S is not that. You know, anus is A-N-U-S. I got to hit that nail on, on, on nailing the head there. But uh, why it's black honest is because this is a person who is so old. She was embraced by a Nosferatu, and she doesn't know if it was a vampire who embraced her. She's um, a Celt. I think specifically a Gaul, if memory serves right. And everyone in her village went to her just to give an example, the characters in this book, every, every, they got some decent histories. Um, in this village that she remembers, there's like a little mud area. People went to her and they sacrificed goats. They gave trade of grain. Um, what have you as payment for her to give blessings on their year for crop yield blessings on the babies to be born fertility, um, people to just survive illnesses and whatnot. And she'd give these blessings, but to the queen, there was this queen to appease, And that's what she remembers. And she would go ahead and give those blessings. And then one day the turtle men came. That's how she refers to them. The turtle men who she's referring to. If you didn't get it already, that's when Christianity came through in the crusades and the turtle men wore that thick plate armor and it came up in there to fight them. And then you realize, Oh, wait a minute. She, the way they wrote it, it's two memories in one. She's referring to Roman troops initially coming and she's calling them turtle men. And then later on, she refers to them again because they're the ones that come and burn her land. So when she was mortal and they came, uh, she claimed they fought poorly. That's the thing that cracked me up, but they weren't real warriors. Well, to the Gaul mentality, Roman troops weren't real warriors because they didn't meet you the way they were born into this world. It wasn't man to man. That didn't happen. It was army to whatever you called an army and Rome owned that lock stock and trade. And they went so far as to try to conquest all of uh, Britannia and it doesn't go well for them because uh, the empire had its issues at this point. Well, she gets made embraced by a Nosferatu who thinks I'm going to use this Gaul to kind of crack the rest of the Gauls, to get in good and get my digs in this whole conquest on the ground floor. What he doesn't realize is, is that Rome doesn't fuck around a Roman soldier group is what this guy runs into. Cause by description, the next time she sees them is the next night. And, uh, the moment he steps out the door, these soldiers lay waste to him. They stabbed a shit of on pikes and have him pinned to the wall. And her only memory is, is that the blood that she was drinking was incredible. It was the best thing she ever tasted. So to the mind of a gall now made vampire with a beast, she just rips into him and drinks all his blood and moves on. We know that was the Cause he's dead. He's gone. There's nothing he could do about it. And she just walks around thinking that, oh, now I'm this Morrigan. I'm, a, I'm death is what I am. I'm literally the the queen mother's representation of death in this area. But then they do something even cooler. They tell you the history through the eras of how she's lived. And she has very different uh, histories, I believe. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, Nate. Uh, so if you check a little bit for me. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them is, is that what I liked, is that she uses her levels of obfuscate to remain invisible until she decides to attack her victim. And her chosen victim she howls and screams and assaults them and rips them apart anybody else just sees this person fly apart in chunks and pieces and then she's gone
0: yeah she she believes that she's a celtic war goddess she's she has no humanity she is essentially the beast incarnate and there's a term for this that we don't know yet because it hasn't been released in print but that's a great description she is the beast although they give her a little bit more flavor than what they give what they call whites those that lose their humanity later on she's still she's she's a character she's, she's in the
1: she's in the wassail right is the term they use it, it's done it doesn't there's no come out right and yes she's a white but what they do is and this they don't do later on later on they tell you just cookie cutter every time yeah. this happens but to me they said they set this precedent in this book and i'm glad because it's like evidence in the court for a case that was pending for me in my head <laughs> where they provide it. And they say, Hey, look, every character who has an intense history, just because they lose humanity that, and, and down to zero, granted it's gone. That beast has a personality. That beast has a goal and a function and it has memories that go on. Right. But what does that beast do with who you used to be? Right. What does that become? That's the transformation. That's the horror of what this game is all about.
0: Yeah. And, uh, the character actually reminds me of, uh, a character in, the new world of darkness in the Chicago book, Um, the Gangrel. Uh, I don't remember what the character's name is, but just a horrifying beast. You're a victim. No one sees this this entity ever except for you. And- oh, you're
1: talking about the one that controls the crows,
0: right? And right, everything else. Right. comes.
1: I forget her name too. The oh, the damn it, it was just in my head. The <laughs> unsomething, the unholy
0: yes it, that's it, her name the unholy it, it reminds me like a kinship between those two characters perhaps. that's a good call out it, in, inspiration for characters that would come later
1: i will say yes
0: it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely it's a it is a great character from those that are fuck
1: me if you look at the photo next to her name that that very much looks like the unholy
0: yeah yeah wow it's, that's it's, pretty cool Yeah it's a it's a really it's a really interesting character if you're into horror, if you're into, you know, and it would make a really great intro to a game to use that character. i got
1: to say for me, I got to tell you guys, if you listen to this, listen to us and you get to a character like that and you're not like, man, that's cool. It's because you don't understand that it's horror is right. a part of this. It's the backbone of what she's it's colors, everything. Right. And she's an example of what not to let happen to you. That if you're losing your humanity or your path, you're losing dots on. If you're that player or you're even an NPC, you're dreading what you're becoming. Right. You don't just become something. Then you're a walking zombie, (laughs) get shot in the head and you're dead. Right. You become this thing. Yes. You know, and and what is that thing? Well, you got to define it now. It's like you make a second character, but it's one that is going to be a terror.
0: Right. For all eternity. You're you're gifting your storyteller with, (laughs) with something terrible. And chances are you're gifting your storyteller with something terrible that you, yourself, in your new incarnation, are going to have to deal with. Always a treasure. I'm not saying I'm talking from experience. I'm just saying. These things happen.
1: Like they always need to. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's always a good thing. We
0: all learn the hard way, don't we? <laughs> all
1: right. So we talked about Mithras, talked about D. We got her out the way, Anis. Uh,
0: uh, the last thing, really, I think that bears conversation is the Hunt Club.
1: Oh, it's amazing so the hunt club basically what the hunt club is this is the first mention of it so we're just going to stick with this it has many different things that becomes later on but at this point it's a group of elders who fucking remember when the masquerade wasn't a thing oh, right when they could go to a hamlet and terrorize and do whatever they wanted to and then fucking leave and nothing could be done about it they went and did it i apologize for dropping f-bombs just getting into it but uh uh, they, then they, then they just leave and they leave this mess behind and what have you. And in particular, in this version of the hunt club, they target elders to de It's that simple, well, not just elders. It could be anybody.
0: Right. The, the older generations from ninth to, uh, and below, right. From like sixth generation to ninth generation.
1: They're a little picky, a little picky. Uh, but the point is that you never pick somebody too important to draw attention. You never pick somebody so easy it's to not be a challenge, but whoever you choose, you always leave something in their room to let them know you're coming, <laughs> right? Like a riding crop, right? Or uh what was the other one? Uh, a like card? a foxtail or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, leaving here. the victim's room pinned to their their clothing, a foxtail yeah, or what have you. Tail of
0: a fox days before, a uh, rider's cap and hunting pink, or something similar. A riding crop, you know, to like something to denote. Well, we're we're going to hunt you now. <laughs>
1: And it's something that it's beautiful. Again, it shows the um the ennui, as I'm forced to now say, is uh, settled in for everybody and it's handled very differently. For Mithras, it's conquest and power and the inability to break a cycle. For John D, it's the paranoia of trying to battle someone like that, even though he has the power to probably end it that night. And to this group of elders, or these members of the hunt club, I should say, because not all of them are elders, it's the challenge of going after someone who just hasn't entered the limelight.
0: Yep. And that brings us basically to a conclusion of England and brings us to Europe by night. And they talk about a couple of different locations. They talk about the clans, but they give you just a very like one, uh, one little blurb about them, you know, a paragraph, if you will, about the, uh, the those that are in power, those that are not, uh the the current situation for them. And really I feel like it uh it's it's a great introduction to Europe, but it it's it really just doesn't
1: uh that's, that's these are I, I keep cutting you off. I don't mm-hmm. mean to, but you, you bastard. But what they do is that they're giving you seeds for how the differences in the clans are in Europe. Right. Like they're old school. What does it mean to be old world? If I'm a Bruja living up and rebellious in the new world, well, how are we doing rebellions in the old world? The answer is we're not. Right. Because they're intellectuals in the old world. They still have potent blood. They have lineages. The Bruja are still a force and they get along great in parts of Europe where they're strongest. Right. And so because of that intellectualization, like you're going to find Bruja if you even read the clan book to this point, they give reference and a nod for when we did the Bruja clan book to, yeah, they had this thing going on in Carthage. Mm-hmm. So what does it tell you that probably in those eras, the city may have fallen, but not all the brew were killed. So where would they have gone? Who knows? Maybe Athens, maybe Crete, you know, you don't know, but definitely those areas. Right? right. Um, so cause Carthage had inroads to there. Um, some came back to Europe because Rome had an inlet right all the way to Carthage, in fact. And so there was a way out there, but the point is these guys were warriors, right? They're warrior scholars. That was sort of like their thing of back in the day. Or as any iconoclast bro would tell you, the fucking old guys. That's that's the shit they did. We don't care. And that's what's that. Then you got the gangrel. But the gangrel, just read this real quick to give you an idea what we're talking about. Uh, There's almost nowhere for them to run. The limited space and large population are catching up to them. Europe's gangrel are more politically active and indeed some border on the verge of (laughs) counter terrorism, excuse me. They have very little, sorry about that, they have very little space left to hide from the lupines and are being crammed into the cities, which they do despise. Many gangrel are drug addicts or just plain crazy, and there seems to be a mass Gangro exodus from Europe going on. Now, I can't tell you how short-sighted this is. Because for all of us to know, the gangrel clan is something that's, well, important. And something that's very, very cool. But I feel that the at this point, White Wolf has such a focus on next next book's coming next next product line to come down the pipeline that even now they're focused on werewolf and girls. sort of like that clan that they're just like well here's some bland paint strokes to just sort of explain where they should be and where they're at because here's the deal europe has a vast forest area still and a lot of what's going on especially when you get to places like the carpathians or you want to look over around where um uh, parts of poland um yugoslavia basically the danube just take that and you have a good idea. They have forests and mountain areas. They can be very much gangrel if they want to be, if you're only being stereotypical to the clan. They're a vampire like anybody else. They come from all walks of life and mortals.
0: Well, I, I think that this is even more uh, put into focus when we go and we look at the characters. And, you know, they break down like Brunhild is the first character that's yep. in there. Brunhild is a gangrel. And I feel like it's kind of an embarrassing character. It's a, it's a, like, she's essentially this, um, what do they call them? Uh, uh, the Northern, Valkyrie. The, like a, she's essentially a Valkyrie, but, uh, now she, you know, wears like heavy metal gear and rides a Harley. Right. And, <laughs> uh, why? you know, cause, cause fucking heavy metals, the shit. And in 1992 and Northern Europe, man, heavy metal was fucking awesome with the spikes and the black metal and the, the you know, whatever it's just I, again what you were saying kind of short-sighted yes it's it's not what i would expect a uh over a thousand year old gangrel vampire from the northern europe region to be doing just you know not how i would have written it we'll just put it that way and then to further sort of uh articulate earlier when we were talking about like the Giovanni and, and my point was, I didn't really think white wolf understood what to do with them. And, uh, I think that's further compounded by Don Caravelli. Don Caravelli is the king of the, the underworld. Don Caravelli is the, the bruja that controls basically all of organized crime. And, uh, uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me.
1: Well, for the Bura, sure, but that doesn't really speak for the Giovanni one way right. or the other. Well,
0: well, it, it does because using future knowledge, they they basically write him out of the equation. He's never referenced again, and that's solidly put into the purview of the Giovanni. And what, I control of the mafia, control of the underworld, control of organized crime. But they,
1: uh, that that's that's something. Here's the thing that they do about it, right? Number mm-hmm. one, they they because because I happen to know they flat out say "ventru," mm-hmm. dominate the underworld. They have that in print in that's Italy. Where, that's where they what I'm talking about. Right, well, come on, that's like <laughs> okay, fine. In in Italy, we could say the Giovanni have their hand in it, but the people who bow a knee, if mm-hmm. the Ventru clan own them, and why they give it to them is because remember the Giovanni don't give a fuck one way what some pasta eating on mm-hmm. wants anywhere because they want the dead, and that's it. And so I get that, but I definitely see what you're saying. Is like they, right. they put the crown on the Bruja head to have him disappear. Right. And then put it on the venture head later on, but they don't really put it on his head because then they outline how many other clans, like three of them, are vying for it. Mm-hmm. It's Bruja Venture and Giovanni right. are in that mix. Right. But it's not like you know what I mean? I, I, right. I, I get your point to an extent, but it's 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 uh, definitely
0: Yeah, just it just characters that that. Writing here, it's like we were saying before we were on the podcast. It's like a first draft. Yes, this is very much like a first draft. These are uh, uh, these sound like really great ideas. Great, and then as this game developed, they were like, okay, wait a minute. Let's look what we have in this world and see how we can make this a little bit more realistic or, you know, codified. <laughs> this is this is what Clan A has their hands, in. this is what Clan B has their hands in. So a lot of this stuff so far is, they're cool characters to read, but a lot of it doesn't really matter right? in the the grand scheme of things.
1: Now, uh, I will say this, because we're in the same area here, Uh, because it's fun, I like what they say about Spain and Barcelona.
0: Barcelona?
1: Well, what's cool about it is that they give you a flavor, right, for what's going on in these areas. Mm -hmm. And by the way, by flavor, I mean a taste. Like, you make of it what you want. Right, But they say in Spain, it says, in Spain, the Anarch Cancer, I love how they put that, the Anarch Cancer that spreads across Europe is at its most visible. Riots, bombs, and death squads. Don't the fools know that changes must come slowly, carefully? Evolution instead of revolution? It's beautiful. Because all the clans there are just a brawling right. trying to figure out who's going to be controlling this European Anarch War movement they got going on. And the weird thing is, that's supposed to be over. At this point, this is brought to the modern. We've had the Anarch revolt. That's come and gone. And it's still going on. Why? It's the old world. And in the old world, you got to put this in perspective. If you are part... Everybody listening right now, you're all elders, a part of an organization where your younglings have decided that they're going to band together because there's more of them than you, and they're going to raise hell. They're going to just tear up shit outside of the walls of your fortress, and they're not going to stop until... They get a piece of the pie. And so you get together and you say, you know what? we I'll take a net loss of 1% this year to give them a lifetime worth of power. They can be happy. That'll shut them up. Then you turn around and give it to them, except your younglings are fucking aware that they're only getting 1%. Right. And they shut up because if you're willing to do that, they know that you're banding together. And that was their one strength, right? You, they were going at you one at a time. Well, you banded together to make a decision. Well, then you're going to band together to defend that point. So they got to shut up and take it. So some of those anarchs wise up and get it. And they kind of just drift, kind of go away. Don't make so much noise, but they know it. Hey, at least I don't have to take a knee and do that guy's laundry for a day. It's a choice if I do it now. The rest of them, though, are like, fuck that, man. We'll go to other doors and other places and we'll get double the numbers this time and figure it out. So it spreads across Europe. What they don't understand is. In a lot of these places, and in particular Spain, there are people who are going, come on, <laughs> you want to come here and raise hell? We'll show you what hell is. And Spain's definitely that. I don't know what it is about Spain. Everybody I've met from Spain, it's just because this captures a flavor of even in media, like you watching movies, some tough ass people in Spain, like they just, I don't know how to put it, but in horror films anyway, like if you got a haunted house, well, that's the house you bought. <laughs> it's haunted there's ghosts in and there's terrible things going on so get rid of them i can't get rid of them i'm gonna come over it? and i get rid of them but i'm leaving tomorrow night i got shit to do and then you go you know what i mean they're just they're right. just unflappable cool ass shit but when stuff goes down oh they're ready for that too and i was like man talk about the wrong place to decide you're going to be an anarchist and wage a war right because the whole point of rebellion is that the people who are the near-do-wells are too terrified not to give, meet your demands Imagine them fling, flinging open the castle gates and charging out at you. Oh, you want a war? This is fucking war. Nah, right. That's Spain. Good idea. Then you have Barcelona. It's renowned as the most beautiful city in Spain. Barcelona is ruled by a conclave of Torridor who banded together for protection from the Anarchs. That to me is phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Then they have a possibly the most cohesive force of Spanish vampires, they are still fractious and disorganized. So they can't even get along long enough to truly provide to, to, to squash it. They can't quell it cause they can't get along. That's kind of cool. But then you have these long Spanish traditions of what Castellan blades and, and the art of a uh, gentleman dueling. And we, we invented fencing, right? That's mm-hmm. a span. And I said it wrong Spain here, but that to me is amazing. Cause there's a whole world there just in Barcelona where you have these proud, defiant people who are now immortal.
0: Right. And check it out. So it's like a head
1: nod to Torador, in my Oops. opinion, for a lot you can do with it.
0: But if you're not going to run Spain, right. Because there's not there's not a whole lot else going on with the Torador, at least in the first edition, into the second edition, there's not really a whole lot going on with the Torador. I think the best thing to happen to Torador in second ed was the Torador anti tribute. That's, that's, that's my opinion of it. That's a side note. That's just a criticism of how I feel like that clan is treated. Because um, they can be a really interesting clan. But
1: Your head, Nando, this is where mm-hmm. I tell you that there was evidence that they, they had an idea of what they were doing with Giovanni. Uh-huh. Let's go to Italy real quick and talk about a highlight, Venice, right? Mm-hmm. So in Venice, this ancient merchant city is the headquarters of the Giovanni clan. In recent years, they have erected a huge skyscraper of black glass and steel, their corporate sanctum. Termed the mausoleum in quotations, or excuse me, in a parenthesis with uneasy chuckles by other kindred, the structure dominates the Venetian skyline. Other kindred are not encouraged encouraged to visit the city. Sorry, I'm chuckling at that very fact. Any foreigners in Venice will quickly become aware of hostile stares and shadowing from unseen followers. Any attempt to gain proximity to the mausoleum may well provoke more hostile responses. Small bands of Nosferatu roam among the sewers and canals. They are always fearful of the Giovanni, who hate them with a passion, and have hunted down more than a few of the spying vermin who allegedly uncovered some secret. <laughs> this, to me, definitely tells you they had an idea right. of what they, they were doing They, with they the definitely
0: Giovanni. had a, a spark of inspiration here.
1: And it's not to be contrary. It's to put, my God, that's a cool city. Right. Like, the, the Giovanni are there, and from the Gitmo, you're not of Giovanni blood, they know you. And I know where you're at, and you're now paranoid. Welcome to being never alone. Right. And oh, wait a minute. You found something out? Everyone kill him. <laughs> Where's it coming from? It's coming from everywhere. Good luck to you. And why I like it is because the Nosferatu clan, the clan of secrets, the clan of skullduggery and sneaking and getting away with shit, is being hunted like the vermin they are. <laughs> <laughs> how terrifying of that of and, and in this city like you know you got to go to venice no
0: no no i, I don't want to venice. I go to giovanni land the rides suck
1: the rides <laughs> uh, but uh that's that's some snippets right that's some aspects right. of it right um let's not forget that they do go over eastern europe as well uh and in here you're going to get some of the I'd say the more famous, because here the Crusades kind of rocked, right? They came through here and the Venture of the War of Princes. Real quick, there are other supplements that go into this in detail. We will cover those supplements. Now is not the time for it, but just understand, the Venture Clan back in the day, due to Mithras, had a guy by the name of Jürgen, and Jürgen and Hardestat, excuse me, part of the same group that Hardestat pulls the strings for, or excuse me, that Mithras pulls the strings for, decided they were going to spread the fiefdom with the Crusades that were ongoing. And the Crusades reached all the way over here to Eastern Europe. And over here, they ran into who? The Zemis. Yeah. Right? The Zemis is the most interesting aspect of this Sorry, war. I was, I was reading. Right, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> the Zemis' is the most interesting aspect of this is because they have flat out out rage war right back at the Crusaders where everybody else has more or less provided a little resistance, but they couldn't muster enough. And the Zemis take it to a whole new fucking level as only that clan can. And there are others, though, trapped in here this book gives you an idea about those others. Like you could, again, it's snippets. Like, I think the crusades are mentioned in here. Like, okay, there it is. Right. But the important thing about the crusades is that they're going around kicking out religions that aren't their own. Right. Well, there are a lot of vampires with a lot of stuff set up, a lot of blood cults set up in their name. That was going really good for them. Yeah. Here come the crusades.
0: Absolutely. When you live as a, as an immortal God, you know, (laughs) when you, when you rule a small uh, isolated village as a blood God, maybe that's not going to be so great. And uh, these crusaders are going to come in and, and change shit around. And then uh, of course we also have Russia and it bears noting that we do talk about the failed experiment of communism and the, uh, the insane thing (laughs) that rules over all of Russia. Uh, It's her own personal feeding ground. uh, Baba Yaga did you see her picture? I did not see her picture, but I read her description and I'll read the description for you. So that's, that's a very good depiction of, of what they describe here. They describe her image as the most hideous hag imaginable, eight feet tall, four inch iron claws, shark, like iron fangs, stringy hair, gnarled, boil covered, gray flesh, cataract lace eyes, foot long, warty nose. Uh, also, uh, Small little side note: We learn the name of the Nosferatu Antediluvian. Episimilar. Yeah, to- yeah. Um. So that's that's an interesting thing too. Um, but uh, yeah, Baba Yaga in her chicken hut. Um, it, it is a ridiculous character. It is frightening, and it's even more frightening to know that um one of the Niktuku killed her. Right. Later on, we'll learn that because again, everything here is going to be revised that there's something out there that killed her.
1: So it's interesting to know too, that she's an ictiku. Yeah. They yeah. don't, if you're thinking Bobby Aga's is not, she is Bobby Aga is absolutely an ictiku. She's the most out there of them, mm-hmm. but look at the damage she causes. Yeah. That's one was, of them.
0: She was embraced at uh, 5,000 BC. <laughs>
1: so, you know, she's if old. Mithras is any indication yeah okay well, so she's so she's off the fucking charts but yeah we need to explain something right quick you're gonna know that the truly terrifying ones have a humanity of zero in the book now a lot of people thought this phenomenon was like fear of zero your character's over you can't have it it's not for players right not for fucking players if you have a mania of zero, you can't cast blood thaumaturgy. And it clearly says right here, blah, 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 blah. Thaumaturgy of, oh my fucking God, I didn't know him went past five. And, oh yeah, it does. Well,
0: yeah, if your name is Baba Yaga, it certainly does.
1: And so why I make this important and I say it in that voice is because if you're a player looking at this going, Psh, this book's cracked because of that, it's not cracked because of that. It's a storyteller guideline. The person who should read this book is the storyteller.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: This book is written for the storyteller. It's not written for the player. And- that's something maybe they should have stated off the bat, but the they're selling
0: books. It's a business. It's a source book. So it, it technically, uh, by, by dint of its name, is a storyteller tool. As a player, you're not ever going to play Baba Yaga. I repeat, you're not ever going to play Baba Yaga. You should never play anything remotely close to that power level or age
1: i'm, I'm laughing because i didn't catch her derangement was delusions of grandeur but they did put a question mark delusion <laughs> delusions? delusions is it is it <laughs> right. delusional that she that's yeah, no, it's not a fucking delusion yeah, this, is, no. this is
0: she controls like the, mad the mad. widest swath of land uh in the world and freely feeds upon those people uh yeah it, it's a crazy and nothing thing.
1: more important right now they take this i just want you to know in the future they don't get rid of this no this is pretty much on the mark, right? So what they reprint, except they flesh out what it means to be the Baba Yaga in that place, because <laughs> she gets to haunt a whole other supplement in Werewolf. Ooh. She's so powerful, the vampires can't deal. Let the fucking werewolves have a crack at it, right? And we'll, and we'll get to that book because that book is something, I think it's its strongest crossover book where you can have a very very good chronicle that's mixed to handle a similar problem I,
0: I think that a lot of the crossover books are pretty good i mean like we talk about vancouver later on amazing book yeah that's a very good one i
1: i um let's see vancouver new york tits that's good new york is a good right.
0: one and then and then later on we actually get the new york by night
1: yeah, I was going to say New York. His is a crossover
0: book. No, yeah. the, well, the first one is that Rage Across New York is a crossover book, but then we get more of the vampire. I, I can't side. even believe they called a crossover book because that's yeah,
1: do. it's, it's dominant werewolf. Yeah,
0: it's vampire too. Like at can, that time,
1: you can, can kind of play werewolf. At that time, it's controlled vampire. by the Sabbat. You can be vampire, right? <laughs> but then when they
0: when they come out with the the New York by Night book, that's after the Camarilla anyways we're digressing totally we're
1: digressing but it's fun because how do you not this book is about the world and we're going over the fact that this is here but we know what's going on over here and check out what's going on um but and plus baba yaga you gave her a paragraph here and you damn well knew that she was getting an entire book and she should it's it's she's five
0: thousand years old
1: she's it's pretty it's a great character it's a great character
0: it's ridiculous i'm sorry She's seven thousand years old.
1: I'm gonna tell you why I'm stalling is because I'm I'm dreading this god awful fucking Okay, so the next part about this is it goes over Hunandora Castle. What Hunandora Castle is, it's where the Inkanu are. Yeah. It goes into great detail about what the Inkanu are at this point. Yeah,
0: are they gonna um put out an entire book about this? Yes, they do. Yeah, so do we need to
1: we don't. I'll say this in this court por- <laughs> I- I'll say why this is important, though. The book they do put out does not tell you the origins of. They take the origins of the curse that they're under when uh-huh. they're here, but they don't go into the detail they do here. <coughs> this is the first inception. And I would say that if you're going to have. Well, we'll, we'll hit that book. We'll, we'll reference this again. Mm-hmm. But just keep this seed in your head, folks. That Hunadora Castle is detailed and it's here in this first edition book. So this book is a must. To own the Inkanu book that comes later on, definitely. If right. you're an Inkanu aficionado, yeah, if
0: if you care, you know, if you do.
1: And honestly, if if we can just we can say this much, my opinion: the Inkanu. If you can't take a name like the Inkanu. and how they have their monitors set up, by the way, what an Incanu monitor does, and it kind of goes into here for this, is they're spies, for those who reside in Honduras Castle because they refuse to leave. So there's ancients making powerful monitors to watch sections of the world for specific reasons, of which this would have you believe is something I would never do, but that's that's canon, right? Yeah. I my advice is this: take if you don't know anything about Hunadora Castle or the Incanu, make something up, and I bet you that's going to be more valid and sit better in your chronicle than what they have here, because what they have here, eh. Just, it just, I mean, I'm, I keep towing on the door here for Nate. I just feel like let's just rip it open, but I, I don't want to rip it open. We are going to go over later. I'm going to have, obviously, my own opinion to talk about on it. So let me hold true to my word, and let's move on.
0: Yeah, please. And we can move on to Jordan and talk about the Asmite who became mortal again. Because that's something I want to talk about.
1: Oh, <laughs> man. And I'm glad. You said all that needs to be said.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jordan asmite uh used to be asimite, now m- m- mortal but immortal mage uh lifted curse his name is talak yeah uh, talak the immortal not not uh not really much more to say about that
1: yeah and it's uh moving on moving the fuck on
0: because it's a bit Im-, I'm not embarrassed but it's i mean i'm not either but I didn't write it, so I don't really have any need to be embarrassed.
1: Yeah, you know what? And, and I don't like shitting on an artist's endeavors either. Um, yeah. The the fact is is that they came up with something to give interest, and are going in all sorts of directions to make this even more interesting. Thing is, is that you can't go too far, in my opinion, and that you you lose. I feel they lost sight at parts of this of what they had created i would agree with you because they're trying to to reach all. they're trying to be baskin robbins 32 flavors right if you walk into baskin robbins and you can't find an ice cream that you like it's because you don't like ice cream
0: right that's my opinion i feel this way about this book uh the next the next chapter is hong kong and i feel uh about as equal in regards to Hong Kong as I do about Jordan, but for a different reason. I don't think it's silly or wonky at all. I just feel like it's completely unnecessary because the majority of everything that's in this portion here, aside from history, which we've already discussed earlier, it's great for the historical, uh, mortal, informational side of what Hong Kong is and how Hong Kong came about. But when we actually get into the vampire portion of it, there's a whole additional game line that's built around the vampires that reside in and around this area so this information here is essentially completely worthless it it it's the the vampire stuff to me unnecessary to know
1: about having played uh, *Kindred* to the east uh that game supplement and reading into it kindred of the east calls this a shadowed portion of its history i.e if you own it, great. You can try to cross the Chronicle if you want, but they don't recommend that you cross them because one is not the other. Right. Um, what I could tell you is that it's a different type of vampire that they give you right here. And it has its own society, its own beliefs, its own way of being. It's almost as it's, its own entity within the world of darkness, but yes, it's still a vampire. It's the Eastern version of it. But I need you to understand something. If you're a fan of Big Trouble Little China, the Chinese have a lot of hell. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, it's a thousand of them. And they are one denizen of that thousand that gets to exist on the outside to commit torments. But you will read what's unique about these Gaki, and I can't escape it because it's the only place that they mention these guys in this detail and gives their powers even. Um, like, you're going to find a kind of reprint where they put another one of their cousins with a similar power uh, in the uh, Outcast caitiff's book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, we're not there yet um but these ones there's a gaki in Vancouver too right they have one gaki person right that's right, in Vancouver right but the power they reference in there because they reprint a little bit of it that's in here in detail mm-hmm. and it was a pleasure to actually read that detail because it gives you an idea of why this woman cuz what the powers they have that's unique to the gaki it sucks to be a gaki what and i might even be you a know, gakai i think
0: gaki I don't know how to pronounce it, they're gawky to me. So So basically what it is
1: is that you're you're a member who willingly undergoes service to one of the hells, whether you're fully aware of it or not, you're, you go through this process. And what's interesting about it is, is that you don't get to escape it. It's every night that you, or every day that you dream, this portal opens up and you are in hell and you relive the very worst things you've ever done all the sorrow conflicts, the demons that will come to torture you. You get to live one night in hell until you wake the next day. And it's because of this, the Gaki do whatever they can to never, ever go to sleep. Consequently, when they use this power of theirs, they have to literally summon up their courage. You have to roll your courage to be able to use the power. I found that a very unique concept because normally being a vampire, it's like, yeah, cool discipline. Use it. This one says, wait a second. Because how the power works is the older you are, the more you learn the power, the more you're able to grow its um, influence and its size, and you're able to pull others into it, into into these portals directly into hell, mm-hmm. or their version of hell. I got to say it that way, because it's not like you're going to fire and brimstone Lucifer's down the hall. It's more like a, a, a kind of weird, surreal world of eternal shadow, and but put into an <laughs> Eastern theme, right? You might go to the house the house of a thousand windowless rooms in the land of sorrows, where you're walking across the bone dust of the millions before who were the damned, who didn't make it in survival land that they're trying to do here. And that's as interesting. If that sounds interesting, because it does to me, that's kind of what they're trying to put this flavor here. Right. But it is a Western flavor at this point. And I think white wolf recognized
0: that. Oh, of course it's, it's one of those things where we see the seeds planted, for where you know something new is going to be created and ironed out, and we even uh, can see that with the cats, which are never referenced again. Um, right, and in reading Ever. reading up on them, essentially this is this is the foundation for the Bastet. That's basically what they end up. It's uh, right. It's it's kind of a meaningless, pointless thing. It's it's something that need not be discussed.
1: And, and for instance, what they say in the Kindred of the East is that they killed a lot of these guys. Right. They were just smoked. They just, they we're done with you. Now, the other side of it is, is that the Gaki and I can't, I can't remember the ones who, and, and in the outcast book, they mention their, their race and I can't remember it, but they, um they follow the same system. And that system is this, they have a daimyo, which might as well be Prince, but it's a daimyo and everyone else are samurai, which samurai servants. That is that simple. And we'll leave it at that. And the rest is hellish powers, cool flavor, Definitely worth the read because it's interesting, and if you're looking for a unique spin to add to your chronicle, I'd say add one of these in NPC format. Not hard to do, uh, like a foreigner dignitary or somebody who may be in Chinatown to do whatever, and players have an interesting contact.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to go out and you don't want to read uh Kindred of the East, you don't want to read up on Qua Jin. Uh, I don't blame you. I, it's not really something that I got into, but this is a great little reference to you know one done right for you
1: sir i will tell you what a good friend of mine told me when i when i told her ah, i'm not really interested in asian vampires she said yeah you are <laughs> you like martial arts you like monsters you like hell yeah just
0: check I, it out i tried to read the book and it just didn't really appeal to me
1: and i it didn't either for me what it, would it ha- like anything yeah jump in feet first with a storyteller who does know the book right and the world it's in make your character from the rules know what you need to do rule wise to meet him halfway and let him tell that story that's when that book's going to sing until then eh, there's a reason it didn't take on so easily now the gaki still exist as a great supplement for the cousins because that's what they are to the kindred of the east because remember chinese have a lot of hell so does japan and the kaijin more or less dominate japan they have a def- definite japanese feel and flow to them this is chinese for all that so yeah not much else need to be said about nope. that but worth the read
0: uh, next on our list is Hate. Hate. What? <laughs> sorry. What are you talking Haiti. Haiti is the next. Okay. Haiti is the next chapter in the book. They talk about Haiti. And this is where we're going to get into Sedites, um the uh, Children of Osiris? No. I'm yeah, sorry. it should be children Sedite of the what's that i'm sorry children of the light right no uh serpents of the light i was gonna say fuck we talk about sedites we talk about serpents of the light because clearly my brain does not function
1: (laughs) it's Sennites, serpents of the light and then uh somewhere in here they should lay the seeds for the cementi i think they did actually i just don't remember where um either way one of the things you're going to read about is one of my favorite characters in white wolf is azuli um why Azuli is so good is because when it comes to Sedites and evil and uh, revolts, Azuli is kind of the... Think about the name Azuli for a minute. You've heard it. I don't care who you are. If you've, if you've read about any horror film, anything, Azuli or a type of Zuli or Zul has come into your life. Thank you, Ghostbusters. Read it. Know about Haiti. If you're a serpent of the light, read this damn book to get an idea at least this section of what you're playing and trying to portray, Nick. So that's a good one. And uh, anything else?
0: No, no, I'm looking through this trying to, it doesn't look like they, I mean, this is only what, like four pages, five pages. So they don't go into great detail about about Haiti. Um, They go
1: into great detail about Haiti. They don't go into great detail about what the vampires specifically are and what they're doing in Haiti. Well, that sounds like they don't. It's flavor of Haiti. Yep. Like, here's the populace of what's going on. Haiti dealt with a lot of slave revolts, um, a lot of voodoo, a lot of voodoo. It's the birthplace of it. And what this clan split down the middle, why they were warring over the area, and what that was about. And where they don't, what they don't do, that's paintbrushes, and that's what they give you. You want the detail? You make it in your chronicle. Right. And you exactly. stick with it. And they give you a name. Azuli's a great one to go with as being kind of a linchpin behind Papa a little What's it? Papa Doc. Yeah, you do Papa Doc.
0: And uh, there's another somebody doc or somebody Papa. Um, Papa Legba. (laughs) Uh, Dambalawidu. Dambalawidu.
1: Yeah, Azuli and... uh, I'm only laughing because one time I played... Aguan. I played a Samedi called (laughs) Dambalawidu. And I went to a LARP where I was painting a skull on my face and doing the teeth, right? Mm -hmm. You do the... Yeah. With the top hat. And I went there with this uh, blown out cigar in the end, and I would sit there chewing on that cigar and I remember how foul it tasted and didn't care. Because what I would do is, I'm not a smoker, I would light it and let it burn when anybody wasn't around and rub the ashes all around so it kept the flavor kind of near me. And then when somebody would come over, I would try to, like, because I would never let it really go out. I would suck on it just enough to get the smoke and the first thing I would do was blow it in their face. <laughs> I'd be like, white man, Babylon, why you come to Dambalawedo and give no offering and they would sit there and look at me, big dude, right? Big brown dude, big brown dude with a skull on the top. And he'd be like, "That hey, prince sent me here. I was to uh, talk. <laughs> and we do is not impressed with your prince. Bye. Baba. <laughs> Go now. And it was cool to do it. And then, because you read about voodoo. That's the day we get in Haiti. But the other thing is, is the, the prestige of being that. Like, you got to sell the role for it to stick. And by the way, funnest part about it, buddy of mine you buddy of ours back in the day you know people grow away from each other it's as much drama as when into about that but jay had a hard time finding coattails Mm -hmm. for a guy my size at a thrift store motherfucker found him (laughs) he found him and that was the coolest part about it being in his damn i'm in a hyatt too, a hyatt regency Mm -hmm. where we're doing this larp and i'm walking around playing this guy i had normal people walking up to me asking me to do readings and trying to give a read like i didn't break character i'd be like fine i give a reading and they were kind of like that was weak and i'm like you didn't pay me (laughs) right and they would just laugh and they would walk off like give this guy a drink and i'm like cool man i'm like 19 getting The, the,
0: the best time you can have playing a character is when you add wholly different elements from your own personality a costume some face paint an accent who cares if it's a bad accent
1: it's it could be bad do sometimes a, good do,
0: do a bad accent because it's going to change your ability to role play the character enough workshop haiti set ice etc exactly exactly, <laughs> exactly exactly exactly
1: oh by the way enjoy the maps yeah, yeah i, I mean, really that's, enjoy that's the maps cool. in this book i mean they're pretty neat um because uh i don't know if you, I, you you have not in your life but i did I did go on a cruise to the Caribbean. It was kind of cool to see all this, you know, relive through, get that flavor.
0: I have not been in a cruise ship. I don't abide boats. (laughs) Strange fact, Cubans
1: don't like it when you buy Nike (laughs) (laughs) flip-flops. Do we noted? they confiscated them and had to give them back to me over the border when they saw I paid taxes on them. That's bizarre. It is weird because I was on a cruise ship. Like we barely touched the Cuban borderline. And they were like, you got to confiscate. I was like, aren't we on the same ship? But I work for Cuba. We'll take him back. I was like, you do that. And then he came back to the room. You paid taxes already. <laughs> You're fucking weird, bro. But yeah. thanks, for,
0: thanks for my flip-flops. So the next up is uh, the Vampire Club. The Vampire Club is a part of San Francisco. And uh, we're going to get a whole book about San Francisco. It is a crossover book, but it's a Kindred of the East, Vampire the Masquerade book. and. Uh, the Vampire Club is, um, uh, can I give you my opinion? Uh, I think it's lame. Oh, uh, I think it's very
1: lame. We went over to the Succubus Club, and you know what a fan I am of that yeah, club. Yeah,
0: This is like a lamer, smaller, dumber version of the Succubus Club.
1: Hey, Nate, who runs this Vampire Club?
0: Uh, it, it, just this weird author guy whose real name is Oscar Wilde.
1: Oh, that's strange. That's.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then he's got a guy that helps him, and his name is, uh tex arcana like tex arcana
1: we weren't even trying
0: no no nah, they this...
1: were we, we were, i'll say we i'll go and take this bump right with them whoever did this part didn't even attempt it no they're like rolling the yeah, dice no
0: not at all um in uh oscar wilde's intolerance his flaw is intolerance his intolerance of posers i'm sorry uh when we talk about it's just silly stupid shit the and, and again, this is harsh language I apologize, I respect White Wolf and what they do This is dumb To me, dumb And uh, it literally Ends there with the back cover Of A World of Darkness What is the moral of our story?
1: Moral of our story I think this book is okay I think it seeds a lot But it gets better going on Therefore not worth the purchase Right? Worth the review it's good for two historical points that I that I've already mentioned. We'll yep. be brief. It gives you the ins and outs of what the world is like for vampires in Europe. Their flavor intent, great seeding material. At the beginning, I told you this is a seed book. That's a seed book. Gets into Haiti. Nowhere else does it get into Haiti. No, it's good. Maybe only five pages of Haiti, but you get <laughs> some Haiti. Right. right. You
0: get you get an understanding to some degree. You you get more information in the Sinai Clan book later, but you get actual printed information about that you place. get
1: flavor is the important thing absolutely then it goes over the clans in in europe europe world and why you need the europe flavor is because when you think of organizations like the camarilla and their stronghold and you get to see the power levels of some of those people still up and walking now you understand why the Sabbat didn't just swallow the organization right right but on the flip understand why them sabat guys are some badass mofos running around with military mentality lockstep success is because they're not there think about spain and why i deliberately read it to enhance this point when you think about spain and they're still caught up in an anarch revolt that was supposed to be handled right. by some weird treaty Probably like 500 years ago right and the sabbat were like eat a dick we're not gonna no nah, we're we're the sabbat just <laughs> right. so the anarchs not get involved in it right and these anarchs are like we are still going on strong y'all sat at a table and that meant something to us. No, nah, this is a i challenge you to a duel it's on and it's like, oh wow, okay. So in other words, <coughs> Europe is anachronistic. That's where the elders roam. You got to be somebody to to survive in them parts. Where America is the Wild West. It's you can make it here, but you're on your own. You pull up your own bootstraps, and right. you're gonna get in the dirt. And
0: that's the only way you survive right. here. So the frontier world, whereas Europe is not. Europe is uh, carved out of stone.
1: There you go. That's that's actually awesome way to put it. And to that end. That's why this book is good. The moral of the book is good. If you read if you haven't read it, definitely read it for the first time so you get the points we're talking about, see if you get some different takes right. on it. But the most important part about this book is that I can't believe they gave stats to Mithras or Francois Villan <laughs> They just some freaking Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga like wow, like you can't. <laughs> Aunt Aunt Luffy, you, is that not enough? What do you people need, you? know. <laughs>
0: I uh, I would agree with you. I feel like um, one thing I would like to state, and I'd like to state this uh, and restate it because I feel like I've said it before. It is important that people understand what it is that we're doing here. Yes, we're doing book reviews, but we're not selectively going through the library of the vampire releases and finding the books that we like. We are going through great times and bad times. We are going through highs and we are going through lows, because number one nobody's done it so why not right but number two we want to present these books as we see them today in retrospect to the point this is a retrospective podcast it's a podcast about every single release that they've done celebrating 25 years of growth of change of exploration of new storylines of plots that worked plots that didn't work and what it means to us so we have a responsibility to take the good with the bad maybe and, that makes for a good podcast maybe it doesn't but- and
1: also for those steady listening to all of them going through even if it's your first time you're gonna you're gonna binge on all of them where do you find the time? But either either way, if you do that, understand that when we hit the modern and we're caught up and we're at the 20th anniversary edition of everything and we start going through, we, you're going to have a brain full of nostalgia and info where you're like, I get that. I see his point. Where no longer is it just one dude waxing poetic about all this detail and stuff. And you're like, where the hell do these guys get this? You're going to go, that was podcast 33 where he talked about substance. I mean, we're giving it to you in comic book format. And later on when right. White Wolf's like, here's the 20th anniversary, everything in one spot, you get to go, right. man, we came, we came to distance with you. And it's going to make those viewpoints, and some of you are going to have differing viewpoints and different takes. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and that's welcome. And we really hope that you share those with us because the, the thing of the uh, of this is, this is completely subjective. This is just our opinion about what we've read and what we Our experience.
1: very valid, uridite-owned, <laughs> lock, stock, and trade practice utilized over twenty years. Opinion,
0: but an opinion nonetheless. And we, you know, we hope you enjoy them nonetheless. But there are going to be some books that we don't necessarily like, and we will do our best to make those entertaining, as hopefully we've done tonight.
1: To my international family that listens dutifully, I love hearing from all of you. Please keep it going. I don't care if your English is bad, in your opinion, as long as we can communicate. Any way we can communicate, I'll take it. Absolutely. If you got to put it through a Google Translate or some other means to, to communicate across, i'll take it please 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 never be embarrassed because i'll tell you right now i don't speak a lick beyond english (laughs) that's a terrible thing on me i really really wish i did i truly do because there are more regions like specifically south america yeah there's they love them some vampire down there we
0: don't speak portuguese but man i'd really love to go to brazil oh dude
1: it'd be the bomb i mean absolutely i do the car the v test is huge down there vampire mm-hmm. the eternal struggle the card game and i love that game yeah then not to mention the fact that you got people in poland you got people in italy there are, there are folks worldwide who have a passion for this i'd love to connect with you guys we'd yeah. love to connect with you guys
0: utilitymuffinlabs.com where else nate facebook you can check us out at utility muffin labs you can check us out at twitter we uh have a new twitter handle boom, boom. we have uh I think three followers. It is. It's at 25 years of VTM. Pretty easy to remember. Follow us. Otherwise you can just check us out on utility muffin labs. I've got it linked there. Um, You can follow us on iTunes. I'm working on getting us on stitcher. That should be up and running hopefully within the next couple of days. I should get an email back. So you'll be able to check us out on your Android device or on your iTunes capable device, your iPad, iPhone, Mac computer, et cetera, et cetera. We're getting close to where no matter wherever you're at. Right. There's a couple it. of there's a couple of other places I'd like to put us. Podbean, a couple of other places, but those require money, which we're severely lacking. So <laughs> We're doing this completely free or out of pocket, so please bear with us if sometimes it seems like we're a little behind the times of the other podcasts. We just don't have funding; we do this for free. So,
1: if I had a bowl of change, I'd, I'd shake it for you, but uh, we don't have it right now. <laughs> no. So we're just—we we still had to, got we some had to, class we cash right in now. to do laundry. So, so.
0: <laughs> you know, we're doing our thing right now. But, anyways, please share. That's the number one way we're going to be able to justify continuing to do this is people listening. Um, you know, reach out to your friends, share it. If they hate it. Have them tell us. We love criticism.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: We love compliments, but more so we want to grow. So your feedback is always appreciated. Not to be blue in the face, not to be a broken record. Anyways, until next week, I'm Nathan, and I'm Bob. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Hey,